what we typically call the faith chapter. Some of you know last week, uh, I started in Hebrews chapter 11. I gave you a Sunday school lesson. Steve's passing those out, so if you need one, uh, for, it's the same lesson as last week, but if you need one, raise your hand, he'll get to you. Last week I started on the lesson, I think I got a little bit into page one, half, well, I think a paragraph or two into page two of the lesson. But uh, it was one of those weeks where, you know, the Holy Spirit's working in my heart and I kind of deviated off the, the path there. But it's a tremendous study. Uh, it just, uh, it just, there's just so much truth in the chapter. It's one of those chapters like uh, Romans chapter eight, right? Try to teach Romans chapter eight sometime and do that quickly. That is not, or, or Genesis chapter one and two. Genesis chapter 1 and 2, I think, took me, uh, some of you may remember this, when I first came here, we started in the book of Genesis in our Bible study. It took me four and a half years to teach through Genesis. It did, I mean, there's such a wealth of material there, you just can't stop. Well, Hebrews chapter 13 is, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 11 is kind of the same. So if you're looking at your notes, I'm not going to go to the first page, so you can, put, you can flip the first page. Go to the second page, right about the middle of that second page is where we kind of left off. I want to pick it up there. Uh, notice uh, right in the middle it says, it is well, it is well to note, you see that? That's where I'm going to read from right now. Uh, so it's well to note uh, that at the end of chapter 10, the writer has made reference to faith. He's written, the just shall live by faith. Uh, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but them that believe to the saving of the soul. By the way, I just noticed something. I got to say this. Uh, Friday and Saturday, I taught at a, uh, a couple's retreat in New Harmony, Indiana. And I got a lot of good compliments, but you know, I got three people who gave me negative comments. You know what the negative comments were? You talk too fast. And I just thought about that when I was reading that really fast. And I thought, Morris... Slow down. I, I, what, I, what do they do? What do you call that thing for the piano? Petronome. I need one of those up here. Click, click, click. Slow it down. Don't get too fast. I, I, get, I get excited and I want to say, tell you everything I'm thinking and it just comes out in a string. If you think I'm bad, talk to my oldest granddaughter, Anna. Talk to Anna sometime. I don't even think she speaks English. I'm like, what did you just say? Anyway, I'll try to slow down, okay? The references, we'll go back to that paragraph. The references here to faith, see, I can actually do it. The references here to faith constitute a bridge into the 11th chapter where the writer develops the meaning, power, and effects of faith. Furthermore, he illustrates, it's, he, he illustrates living in vital faith by citing its operation in the Old Testament saints. Uh, so we get the illustration after we get the, the, the explanation. The Hebrews whom the epistles is directly where experienced trials and persecution. The part I wanted to get to is this middle part. The triumph of faith in the lives of those, Old Testaments, of those who in the Old Testament suffered on behalf of their faith becomes an incentive to faithfulness and steadfastness in the lives of the Hebrews who read the epistle. Again, important to understand the whole concept here, writing to the Jewish churches in his era, writing to churches who are kind of leaning back into Old Testament Judaism, and so he takes the Old Testament and says, no, Old Testament's also by faith. You need to understand that. Uh, and the three, uh, he goes through, if you really think about this, I wrote myself a note the other day. I was reading this again, and I wrote myself a note on the side. You might want to jot this down. What I call the three E's of ministry. When he's talking about faith, there, there are really three things to think about. There is, there is encouragement, exhortation, and example. And you're going to get all three of those in this chapter. You say, what do you mean? Encouragement as a pastor, part of my job is to give people hope. Amen? Uh, when I was training for counselor training, that's one of the things they always told us. Whenever you do in a counseling session, before people leave, 
you give them hope. No matter how bad it sounds, no matter, I don't care if it's depression uh, because of a physical ailment, cancer, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a divorce counseling. Uh, you know, people are beginning, to, there's an the explosion in the marriage. I don't care if it's a death of a loved one. You leave them hope because you have a God of hope. Well, you can't do that unless the people have faith, right? You can't have hope until you have faith in who God is. So part of my job, part of my job, even on Sunday morning, is to exhort, to give hope, to, 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 to talk to you and say, listen, there is a God in heaven, amen? I was talking to a couple just the other, a few weeks ago, and I told them, one of the things I said to them, you understand that the God who spoke and the world came into existence is the same God who can take care, who can take care of the problems in your marriage. I mean, if he can speak and create something out of nothing, do you not think he can, he can fix your marriage? Of course he can. So exhortation is the first E of ministry. Second E of ministry I wrote down was to exhort. You say, what's the difference between exhort, uh, uh, encourage and exhort? Well, when you exhort somebody, you're, you're moving them to action. Part of my job is to make, not just to encourage you, give you hope, but after you get hope, to exhort. Now you need to do something. Amen? It's not just dead faith. It's the faith faith leads, should lead to some kind of action. There should be a movement. You're encouraged, you have hope, and now you do something about it. Now you put in the work. Now you do the effort. Now you show that. So you encourage, uh, you exhort, and then you, the hardest part for me, you give them an example. Right? Well, I was, like I said, I was talking to this marriage retreat yesterday, and I asked the question, I said, so if you knew, now Becky and I have been married for 47 years, I said, if you knew that we'd been married for 47 years, but we had a miserable marriage, she really didn't like me very much, we just barely tolerate each other long enough, uh, you know, to get by, would you have asked me to come speak? How many of you know, they're not going to ask that guy, right? They want somebody who hopefully is successful in marriage. Becky has been very successful in marriage. I'm still working on my half, but she does pretty good. So if you think about that, that's really part of what the faith ministry is. If I'm trying to get you to, to trust in God, I'm trying to encourage you, I'm trying to exhort you, and I'm trying to give you an example. Well, the same flips on the other side, right? If you're trying to encourage people in their faith, if you're trying to build people in their faith, you have to do the same. It's not just my job. Absolutely, 100%. That's what God's called me to do. But in a sense, isn't that what God's called us all to do? Right? Understand that. Okay, so keep reading here. So for, for, from, from chapter 10 of, he, of Hebrews, the student passes a great faith chapter of the Bible. May it be blessed lesson in the faith that means of. Now, I didn't write this. G.L. Stover, a, a professor, wrote this. And I looked, he did not write this as A, B, C, D, E, right? He wrote it in a paragraph. I broke it down. And here's what I looked at. Here's what I did for me. I don't know if you, you'll do this or not. I looked at that almost as a test. Look at, look at the words again. I, I'll read it in a second. I look at that as almost uh, six or seven tests of my faith. And I kind of graded myself. And I guess that's what I want you to do. Uh, one, number one, he said, may it be blessed lesson of faith, mean, faith. The lessons of faith be the means of, number one, or A, taking hold of things invisible. I graded myself on that, and I said, I'm, I'm pretty good on that. I believe God. I, I believe in an invisible God. I can't see Him. I can't, I can't uh, feel Him. I do have His Word, but I believe. I, I, I don't have any lack of confidence in who God, not only that, uh, that there is a God, but who God is. That, on that level, pretty good. I think, I think 
most of us, if you're in church, you've been in church for any time, you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior. Yeah, we all get that, right? But then as you go up in levels here, uh, taking hold of the invisible things, an incentive to be daring in faith. Now, I'm going to say it a different way. An incentive sometimes to go out on a limb, just to trust God and do it. I was doing real good on A, (laughs) really good. I got to B. I will be, I hate to admit this, I am not the daring one. I'm glad we have daring men of faith. We wouldn't have this building if we didn't have daring men of faith. Amen? You, you all know the story. I struggle with new things. I, when somebody says, you know what we ought to do, I'm, all, I'm the guy going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hang on a second. Let's talk about this. Let's not... And, and it's not that their idea is a bad idea. It's just new to me, and it's something I've never done before. When uh, I remember several, many years ago, we visited uh, Atiquipa, Peru. We visited, uh, Carrie was, was living there for a few months and in her language training, living with a missionary. I got to the mission field, and this missionary is really um, aggressive, outgoing kind of guy. And so we were walking on the Day of the Dead. We would call Halloween here, but the Day of the Dead. We were walking through this massive, massive Catholic cemetery. And he explains to us where the, what the Catholics believe about this and what they do in this country. And he goes through this whole long list. And all of a sudden, he turns to me and he goes, Hey, you, pre- you, you like to preach, don't you? And I was like, Yeah. You guys know what I... And I go, Yeah. He goes, Well, we'll draw a crowd and you can preach right here on the street. And I'm like, what? Now you think, wouldn't you think a pastor would go, yeah, how many of you know what Pastor Monty would do? Pastor Monty, yeah, he'd be all over it, he'd be, yeah. I was like, what do you, what are you, what are you gonna do? And so his people started, they had boxes of tracks, and he started passing out tracks, and he goes, and they're speaking in Spanish, so I don't know everything they're saying, but they're basically saying, Come, we have a man of God. Come, you want to hear the man of God. Come, you want to hear what the word of God and what God is saying. And a crowd started gathering around me. And I, they're, all, they're all Spanish. So I have to speak very slow so the interpreter can say. I was not comfortable. I was like, oh, no. Now, be honest with you. Once I got going, game on. I mean, I basically just gave my testimony and the gospel. I just hammered the gospel. And it, when it was over, I was like, man. That was awesome. But in the beginning, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You got faith, right? But when something new comes along or something different or maybe not even new, something challenging, something you don't do, you know, how would you like to, you have voice and you should sing in the choir. I don't want to get up in front of people, right? So when I'm looking at this, I'm looking at my, A, I do pretty good, B, Eh, I'm pretty weak in that area. How about C? To laugh at the impossibilities. I, okay, again, I, I don't. I believe in the impossible, but for me, that's also going out on a limb. When you say this, we can do this. I'm always the guy. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that wants to sit in the background and okay. Well, let me put a pencil to that. <laughs> let me see how we're going to do this. I want to see the steps. What are we going to do first, second, and third? Where Pastor Monty is, I don't think there is a plan. It's just, let's just do it. We'll figure it out as we go. I, Morris does not operate that way, but there's a part of me that needs to be willing to do that. 
I'll figure it out as I go. And sometimes I struggle with that. Uh, he goes on to say to overcome every obstacle. Uh, probably a little better about that. Uh, obstacles, to me, are, when I hit obstacles, I, I struggle a little, but I, I, think I, I think anything can be overcome by God's power. By the mercy and grace of God, and by His power, by the power of the Word of God, and the work of the Holy Spirit, I think anything can happen. Uh, that's one of the re- things I like about faith recovery. I believe anybody can change. I've seen lives change from, wow, just destructive uh, 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 lives where they're destroying their whole life to serving God as a great servant of God. And that can ha- I, I believe that. How about this? To face the storms of life with its chilling winds and driving rains. I added to my, my notes here. To face the storms of life with chilling winds and driving rains of circumstances. And then I put a last little note, without frustration. Because I can face them, but they frustrate me. When things don't go the way I planned, or I have a trial, or I have a sickness, or I have a problem, or I have uh, somebody I'm working with who's not, it frustrates me. Well, it shouldn't frustrate me. God is working, and I should trust God by faith. You could go on uh, and, to, and, to believe that God, and to believe God in the dark. I'm kind of, can I say it this way? I, I feel sometimes I'm kind of like, some of you remember the story, I think it's in Mark's gospel, uh, where this guy comes to Jesus, and he's got a son, who's uh, demon-possessed, and sometimes he throws himself on the ground, and sometimes he even throws himself into fire, and, and he says, you know, uh, Jesus, can you help me? And Jesus says something like, if thou, if thou canst believe, if thou canst believe, I can make him whole. And I love the guy's answer, because this is my, I have to be honest with you, this is usually my answer. Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. How many of you know what, exactly what that means when you read that? I know exactly, and I, have, I find myself a lot of times, when I, especially when I read Hebrews chapter 11, I believe, but I wonder sometimes if I would have been a Joshua, right? I wonder if I would have accepted that like he accepted that. Uh, I'm not Abraham's age. Abraham was, you know, 100 years old when God made a promise to him about a child, but I'm, I'm 67, and I'd be like, really? <laughs> Seriously? You know? Uh, a child, right? Some of you are looking at me like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Well, by faith, it did happen. Amen? And so I look at that chapter and I, and I, know, I know who God is. I know what God says. I see the examples of faith, but sometimes I still say, Lord, I believe, but you're going to have to help me with this one. Help me because I still struggle with unbelief. And I think we all do. I think we all need a good lesson in faith sometimes. We all need to be reminded who God is and what can, God can do. But even more than that, not only who God is and what can, God can do, but God, what God will do. Amen? It's just a reminder for us all. Uh, so he goes on here with the description of faith. Uh, true Bible faith, I'm, I'm number one there. True Bible faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite, in spite of circumstances and consequences. How many of you remember, some of you are old enough you'll remember this. Uh, how many remember, I think it would probably been the early 70s. Uh, I remember it because when I went to Bible college, I had my roommate, Mike Chilson. Mike is, it's really weird. Mike Chilson, my, my college roommate, is a teacher at uh, Cross Point Christian School uh, over Old Eagledale. Across. It's really weird that somebody who went to school with me in Missouri. He's from Kansas. I'm from South Carolina. We both ended up in Indiana just a few miles from each other. Really strange. But Mike used to have, some of you know this, Mike used to have a little blue Mustang pony. 
not actual horse people. How many, you know what I'm talking about? A little Mustang. Uh, and in his car, I didn't have a car, so I did a lot of riding around with Mike. But in his car, he had a little sticker. Some of you may remember this. Uh, and I saw him back in the 70s. They were prevalent everywhere, especially in Christian realm. It said this. God said it. You know what the, re- the next two lines are? I believe it. Say it. That settles it for me. You remember that? I, I remember that. And, and I've always, I, for some reason... I have pictures. How many of you like me? You have pictures in your mind that never leave. I, I can still see the dash of his car and that little sticker on his car. Every time I got in his car, it was right there. And I, it, it always reminded me of a kind of faith I need to have. God said it. I believe it. God, I, that, I didn't do anything, do I? I'm good. Okay. I'm just looking at the sound booth, make sure I wasn't doing something wrong. Uh, God said it. I believe that settles it for me. I actually told Mike one time, I said, you know, I wonder if I should take that and cut it in pieces. And he's like, what do you mean? God said it. That settles it. That's true. But I have to believe for me. That concept is for me. I have to believe it. If God said it, is it settled in your mind? Do you believe God? And believing God, by the way, I think he's hit it. Look at that definition again on the top of that paragraph. True Bible faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. Okay, I believe God, but sometimes I still look at the circumstances and I still worry about the consequences, right? Sometimes I tell my, I said a couple things yesterday in the marriage conference. I was talking about husband and wife and, and at the creation, God created Adam and Eve. And I went off and I don't even know how I get off on track sometimes, but I got off on this track of homosexuality and I got kind of hammered hard, you know, man, woman, not man, man, not woman, man, not woman, becoming a man, not man, becoming a woman. And after I got there, I don't know any of these people. <laughs> I have no idea what they believe, where they, and I realized about halfway into that, I was hammering, I was, I was doing a Pastor Monty, some of you, were, and I was doing the whole, and I'll tell you something else kind of thing. And about halfway through it, I thought, I wonder where they stand. You know, I didn't ask, I just kind of just, uh, and it kind of made me think, well, no, no, what I was saying was right. Doesn't matter how they accept it. The truth is the truth, Amen. And real faith teaches and preaches the truth regardless of the crowd you're preaching to, regardless of what results that may bring you. Amen? We know that. That's the question. And I think sometimes we just have to be reminded of that. Uh, I'm not going to go any further. But look at the bottom, last paragraph on there. The circumstances, a little thing I injected there. The circumstances may seem impossible to overcome, and the consequences may be frightening and unknown, Right? Anybody ever got a diagnosis that the consequences are frightening and unknown? Still trust God though, right? I have, found, I have found this to be true as a counselor and as a pastor. It's really easy for me to tell people in those circumstances what they want to do. You know what's really hard? When it's me. You know, somebody gets a diagnosis of cancer or some other illness and it's really easy for me to say, well, you're going to have to trust God in this. And God will, yeah, that's easy to say. But when it's my name on the line, now it's a whole different thing. Where's my faith? I have to ask myself that question all the time. The circumstances may seem impossible to overcome. The consequences may be frightening and unknown. But in faith, we obey God's word regardless of circumstances or consequence. And we trust that he will do what is right and best. Do you really trust him? 
Now, the next sentence you're not going to like. Look at the top of the next page, page 109. Uh, the unsaved world does not understand true Bible faith. I love this little parenthesis, probably because it sees so little of it in action in church today. You know, we think of, I know a lot of times we think of faith as what, how my faith affects me. You need to understand this. Your faith also affects the rest of the world. How, my fa- how I live my faith out affects not only my wife and my children, it affects my grandchildren and everybody around them. I have to be a testimony of the truth that I'm teaching. I have to say, I believe God and you should believe God too. And I'll tell you this, I can say you should believe God too, but if they see in my actions a drawback, right, or a doubt, it's really hard for me to tell them to trust Him. You know, can, your, your grandkids will call you down. You know, you tell them something, they live it out or don't say it. And so I have to make sure that I'm doing the same thing. And that, that sometimes is tough. We don't always have what we think. Look at the next paragraph. Uh, if therefore it comes down to the simple fact that faith is confidence in another. Faith is believing the unreasonable, the impossible, the unexplainable because someone else in whom we have absolute confidence has said it was so and upon his word we believe it without asking for further proof. My faith is based on the truth of the word of God, not what Pastor Monty said. Now, hopefully everything he says comes from the word of God, right? But there are some times when he gets off on a little tangent. I still don't know if I still believe in sunscreen now. Some of you here last week, he... Every now and then I'm like, I'm sitting there going, what? What verse? Where did that sunscreen verse come from? I don't, you know, and I was joking with Pastor Monty this morning. He said something to somebody and he said, I won't tell you what he said, but then he said, you, you have to believe me. And I turned around and I said, you don't always have to believe him. Being funny, but that's true, right? I believe him when he teaches, I have to believe this, Right? And I have to believe this is truth, and I have to live this is truth. Uh, sometimes we get confused. Uh, my, kid, my grandkids will believe me sometimes on things that aren't biblical. Well, that's because they, hopefully, there's a couple, because you love me and I'm a wonderful, God-honoring man, right? Amen. Amen. That was a daughter, not a grandchild. Okay? Anyway, uh, but that's okay, but I want you to trust this more than you trust me. Same thing in the Sunday school. I want you to trust this more. That's what real faith is, right? Now, there's three words. Look at, look at Hebrews chapter 11. Three words I want to emphasize this morning. Uh, look at chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith, you know, the, you know the verses. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Now, that phrase, obtained a good report, just simply means they obtained a good witness or they uh, were a good testimony. Uh, it's important you understand that's what it means because... What does he do next? He starts listing those, el- those, those elders and the testimony that they had. That's the whole chapter. We'll go through that more next week. But he, he goes one to the other, one to the next, down to the line of what each, each one of those people did in the Old Testament. And how they did that was by faith. So he looks at this word. Uh, look at the middle of your page there again. Uh, three words in Hebrews 11, three, uh, one through three summarize what true Bible faith is. There's number one, substance, number two, evidence, and number three, witness. The word translated substance means literally to stand under support. Faith is a, to a Christian what a foundation is to a house. That is the foundation of everything. Uh, I, it's so simple sometimes it escapes us. I must believe that he is, right? And if I believe that he is, 
I had a weird dream last night. Somebody was asking me these questions. It was kind of a weird, where you wake up dream, you think you're actually talking to somebody, and then you wake up and realize, oh. But one of the questions somebody asked me, why do you believe? And, you know, that's really a hard question to answer straight out, right? I, I, I can say I can believe because of the evidences that I see in God's Word, or I can say I believe because of experience. But when you first get saved, why do you believe? Well, you, you believe because you trust. You put confidence in what God said. That initial belief start, is the foundation of it all. That is the substance of everything. Uh, when, I was seven, when I was 16 years old, I walked down an aisle and because I heard somebody say, God loves you so much that he wants to see you saved. He sent his son to die for you and you can have eternal life. And there, had, there came a point, I don't know how long that point took. There's a moment in time where I sat in that pew and I thought to myself, is that true? Can I really know? That was the, that was the initial question in my head. It wasn't, you know, am I going to go to, it's just like, can I really know that? In fact, I'll be honest with you, as the, the first time I'd ever heard a, a fundamental Baptist preacher preach, when he was preaching and he kept talking about that, I kept thinking, I don't think you can know. I kind of doubted whether that was an actual Bible truth, you know. You can know you for sure you're going to heaven. And so at the invitation, one of the reasons I came forth was because if you can know, then I probably should know. And I, after a you, uh, uh, one of our deacons in that church back then took his Bible and showed me from the Bible what the Scripture said, I actually, my faith came alive. It was like, now I'm going to have to trust in that, or I'm going to have to continue trusting in my theories and my beliefs. That, that was the substance of everything. And everything in, in the last 50 years has come from that substance, that foundation that I believe God. Now, everybody in this room, pretty much, you're all in Sunday school and you all come to church faithfully. For the most part, everybody I can see in here is regular, okay? Nobody really brand new. So I'm going to assume that all of you have that kind of faith, right? That is the foundation. I believe God. The problem is we get to the point where I believe God in most situations, but not in all situations. I believe God, but... Right. I believe God. But in my situation or in this case or in this circumstance, I can't No, I you have to go back to that foundation. That is the foundation. Look at the second word. The second word is evidence, which simply means your conviction. That's the inward conviction of God that what he's promised he will perform. The presence of God given faith in one's heart is conviction enough that he will keep his word. You know what I say uh, when I do a lot in counseling? I'm just reminding people of the truth that they already know. By the way, a lot of what we do in preaching. I don't know if you ever thought about that. In preaching, I'm just remind. Anybody not read Hebrews chapter 11 before? I'm not, I'm not telling you. Most of the time, I'm not telling you something new. My job is to tell you, you can still trust this. I know whatever circumstance you may be in, you can still believe this. You can still have faith in him. You must still put your confidence in that. I'm telling you the same thing over and over. Counseling is the same thing. I'll be telling people the same truths I know. But God said, you can do this. You can have this. You can be this. Right? And that's the idea. That's the, that's the substance. That's the, the, the evidence. Verse 2, he goes on to say, but by it, the elders obtained a good report. They had a good testimony. Uh, it's an important word in that chapter. In fact, it's interesting to note, and he notes it in his notes here, uh, this is Warren Wiersbe. It occurs in only in, it not only occurs in verse two, but twice in verse four. When I first read his notes, I'm going, no, it doesn't. 
Because in verse 2 it says, obtained a good report. When you get to verse 4 it says, uh, By faith Abel offered a God a more excellent sacrifice than by Cain, which he obtained witness. What does he mean? A good report or good testimony that he was righteous, uh, uh, that he was righteous. God testifying. God gave, think of it this way. Okay, so Abel was given a testimony that he believed God's testimony. He was given a witness that he believed what God said was true. And therefore he obeyed God. And that's why Cain murdered him because Cain did not obey God. One trusted, you know, you say, why did Cain uh, murder his brother Abel? One trusted God, one did not trust God. You could say it this way. One trusted God's testimony and gave God back the right testimony. One did not trust God's testimony and gave God back the wrong testimony. What does your witness say about your faith? Right? How do you live? Your, your testimony, your witness, your report. I like that phrase, good report, by the way. Uh, I remember, I still remember school, right? Report cards. You guys remember report cards? Uh, I heard yesterday on the radio that they're considering in many states to no longer give students tests in school. Because it damages their psyche to get a bad grade. I also heard this, that several schools in California will not allow you to give a, no matter if the student turns in a blank page, he still gets a 50. He cannot score lower than 50. What? I mean, no, I, my teachers had, did not have that theory. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, I, I always loved when I got a report card that I was happy to bring home. You know, there's the report card you bring home and you hope your parents don't ask you about until the next morning when you're ready to go to school. Oh, before we go, could you sign this? Right, that's the... And there's a report card that you bring home and you're waiting for dad to walk in the door. You know, hey, got my report card. You know, in a sense, there's the same thing for us. We all have a report card. It's not a piece of paper and people aren't writing on it, but people are reading it every day. Faith... Faith is what makes that report card glorify God. And that's what he's saying. By that, by their faith, that's how the elders obtained a good report. I'm going to run out of time. Let me go to the, let me go to the last page because I want to get you all the way. Go back to uh, 110, the demonstration of faith. Now, not that the other stuff isn't important, but I'm not going to get to it, and I'll be 14 weeks on this lesson. Uh, but I, want to, I, I thought this was really good. Okay, uh, the demonstration of faith. Uh, look at uh, chapter 11, right? You see on the bottom there? Chapter 11 is a collection of several examples of men and women of faith. Someone has said that faith is better described than it is defined. That's probably a pretty good way to say it. The chapter does not give us a detailed study of the lives of people that are mentioned. It simply uses their stories to illustrate certain faith principles. A simple, careful reading of the chapter will reveal uh, several ob obvious principles about faith. Number one, obviously, Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it is impossible to please God. You cannot please God if you don't trust God. You have to put your confidence in Him. If you say, I want to live a life that's well-pleasing to God, that is a life of faith. That is a life that says, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the consequences, no matter what happens, I still trust Him. Several years ago, probably one of the best examples I could give you of that. Several years ago, when we were at Eagle Dale Baptist Church, a young lady in our church got cancer. And she was pregnant and found out she had cervical cancer during the pregnancy. Uh, her name is Kathy. And uh, it was just one of those things that, I don't know, it was just so devastating. You know, where you're like, no, that can't be possible. Young, healthy, 
vibrant young lady. And I still remember, you know, when she had the diagnosis and she kept saying, yeah, well, I believe God's good and I'm going to be okay and I'm really not worried too much about it. Anyway, long story short, Kathy eventually got to the point where uh, she had stage, you know, final stage cancer and they said she didn't have any, you know, any more time. She was going to die that week. And I still remember when the family called me and said, you need to be at the hospital as soon as you can get there. <sighs> it's hard for a pastor, hard for anybody. And I remember going into the room and talking to the family, and then one by one, I mean, she was literally fading as we were standing there. One by one, the dad said something, the mom said something, her husband said something, her brother said something, you know, and they were going around the room, and everybody's talking, and it got to that point where everybody in the room had said something except for me. And I don't know if you've ever, you may not experience this, this is a pastor's life. At that point, everybody kind of looks at me like, now go say something really good. I mean, what do you, what do you say? Uh, I'll never remember, i never forget, I walked up to Kathy, she's laying in the bed, and she, you barely hear her, and I held her hand, and I don't know what made me say this. At first I thought that was the dumbest thing you could possibly have said. I looked right in her face and I said, Kathy, do you still trust God? What a dumb, st- what a stupid thing to say. She's about to die from cancer, Right? You idiot, what are you t- saying that for? One of the best testimonies I ever heard. She looked me in the face and she says, Brother Morris, even if he kills me, I still trust him. And the room fell apart. And she died the next day. So you, you remember Kathy Rigdon? I, th- I thought you might remember that name. Um, and it, that, to me, is faith in action. That's real Bible. I mean, she's dying. She's got cancer. She, doesn't matter. Still trust God. I sometimes wonder if my faith is that strong. Right? It's easy for me to say, boy, when I die, I'm going to be just like that. Yeah, really? Am I? I don't know. But that's what we're talking about. That's the kind of faith. Real faith. I think that was a great testimony glorifying God. I think that was a great testimony to her family. I know this. Boy, you talk about an easy funeral sermon to preach. Right? She trusts God. I know where she's at. Uh, here's the second thing. Flip to the next page. I'm going to go quick here. Uh, second page, faith is always connected to God's word. I don't know if you noticed it, but look at the, following, the phrases in, in Hebrews chapter 11. By the word of God, being warned of God, he was called of God because she judged him, God, to be faithful who had promised that he had received the promises. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Faith is always connected to the Bible. My faith is grounded right here, right? I don't care what you say, my faith is grounded here. One of the reasons, one of the reasons I've never, I've never given up on God. I've given up on me and I've given up on pastors at points, but I've never given up on God because I can't explain away the truth, the power of this word. The, unity, the more you study the Bible, the more you're convinced that it is absolutely 100%. It can't be anything else. When people say, I don't trust the Bible, my response to that is you haven't read the Bible. You don't study the Bible. You haven't put the Bible into practice because if you read it, you study it, you are absolutely 100% convinced that this is the Word of God. Amen? Amen. And that's where my faith is based. I, I, I don't have any faith if it's not outside of His Word. Here's number three. Number three, faith is always results in obedience. Let me just say that again. That's a simple statement. Faith Always, real faith obeys. You cannot say to me, I believe God, but I'm going to do this. That's not faith. 
Now you have faith in God, but you can't have faith about everything that God asks you to do unless you're doing it. Well, I know that's right, but, right? Well, I understand what you're saying. I understand what the Bible says, but in our family, no, no, that's not faith. Faith is confidence in that God is right, and that faith results in some kind of obedience. When we go through this chapter next week, we'll talk about these heroes of the faith. Every one of them did something with their faith. The illustration is there every time. They didn't just have faith. Their faith caused them to obey, follow God. Every single one of them. Faith results in obedience. Here's number four. Faith does not always rule out trials and suffering. When we get to the end of the chapter, you're going to read this long list of those who suffer uh, uh, cruel mockings and scourgings and bonds of imprisonment. Uh, Faith is not... Listen to me. Faith is not um, your escape route. I'm trying to think of a better way to say that. If I have faith, I won't ever struggle. You, you haven't read the Bible. No, no, no. Faith gets you through the struggle. Faith does not avoid the struggle. And sometimes we think that. Look, I, I have a sin nature, and because I have a sin nature, tell me what's going to happen to my body, what's already happening. It will break down, right? And eventually, if Christ doesn't come soon, uh, I'm going to get older, and and my grandkids hate to hear me say this, but I'm going to die, okay? There will be a day I won't be. And sometimes that may be a slow, painful death, right? But do I still trust God? I don't avoid, sir. If you think I don't have problems in my life, of course I have problems in my life. You say, well, that means you don't have enough faith. That's what faith teachers would teach you, right? That's what you hear on TV. If you have faith in God... He'll take care of all your bills, right? All your children will follow God and your grandchildren will follow God. Are you crazy? That's not biblical. No. My faith is based in God's promises, not in the results I see and the circumstances I see. My faith doesn't give me a ticket out of anything, but it does give me, it does give me the power and strength to endure anything. I trust Him in spite of the circumstances. I've said this before. I don't even really know if you have faith if everything's always going your way. That's easy. But when things don't go the way I want or the way I expect, that's when my faith shows itself to be real. Regardless, I still trust Him. One last thing and I'll be through here. Uh, faith is, the key to, it is not the key to material prosperity, as many teachers have you believe. Uh, when you look through this last part of it, uh, the, they wandered in deserts, they wandered in mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Uh, all, those, all those phrases... Um, Boy, they sure fly in the faith of faith healers, don't they? Well, if you have faith, you know, God will have, you'll have a beautiful home and you'll have a Rolex watch. That used to be a big thing. And you'll have a, this car and you have, well, no. Sometimes you won't have any of that. Sometimes you may even have to end up living, can you imagine living in a cave? That's what happens. You live in a sin-cursed world and you expect it to go your way? No, it's not going to go your way. That's why you need God. That's why you need your faith, and you need your faith to be strong. Base your faith in the truth of God's word, not in somebody's opinion. Let's pray. Dear any Father, Lord, I do pray that you'll continue to work in our hearts. I pray as we study through uh, the Bible that our faith will increase. We know that by hearing, uh, our faith is increased, and by hearing the word of God, it's greatly increased. So we pray, Lord, that you'll help us to be ever faithful, ever true, to listen to the truth that you put before us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you're dismissed Sunday school. Worship service will start in just a few minutes.